What a beautiful, beautiful hymn for us to consider. Great is his faithfulness. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you are greatly to be praised and you have done great things for us. And I thank you for your faithfulness in each and every one of our lives. All who call upon the name of the Lord receive the great blessings of your faithfulness on a daily basis. We are helped. We are encouraged. We are strengthened. We are given hope. And I pray, Father, as we consider the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount today, that your spirit would bless it that you would be glorified, that you would be made much of. Father, that you would put a door over, a guard over the door of my mouth, that I might speak truth and faithfully, and, and, and that you would keep me back from speaking any air, that I would sing your praises, that I would herald your truths, and that you would encourage your people. And I pray, Lord, that as we sit under the word that the spirit would blow on our time and that you would get all the glory for great is your faithfulness in jesus name amen we'll turn if you would to matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, just kind of explodes saying, do not be anxious about your life. And I think in a year like 2020, we've had a lot of things to be anxious about. Pandemic, election, employment and many of us are coming in to 2021 thinking about many of those same things even though it's a new year even though there are new hopes for a new year we realize that there are still things that loom large so what is keeping you up at night what is giving you anxiety what's stirring you up, making your heart flutter. Those are the things that Jesus wants to address. So if, if we were to put on a whiteboard the thing that's vexing you most, what would it be? Jesus wants to speak to that and say to us, do not be anxious about your life. And in some ways, it's like startling because we are professional worry warts. We are professionally anxious about so many things all the time. And Jesus wants us to live another way. And on December 9th, this point was driven home to me in a way that was just so clear. And I, I realized I've got to preach this passage as I was driving 
to the hospital with Clarissa. And we had somebody watching our kids and we're on our way and we know she's going to be having a surgery and it's a major surgery. Um, and there was a sense of gravity sort of hitting as we're headed towards the hospital and we're talking and, and, and kind of breathing prayers. And then we park in the hospital and pray and just ask God to protect her and to bless the surgery. And then we don our masks, get out of our car, and I walk her to the entrance of the hospital because we weren't allowed, I wasn't allowed to go in. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to have to leave my wife at this point and entrust her to the care of the Lord. And she's in the hands of the Lord no matter what. But ultimately, I, we embraced and I gave her this big hug and I said, I love you. And we prayed one more time. And then she walked off and I walked off. And I can't tell you what I was thinking as I turned around and began to walk to the car, a flood of anxiety hit my soul. What if something goes wrong? What if she contracts COVID in the middle of the hospital? How am I going to tell my kids if, 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 if something doesn't go right? And endless things began to rattle around in my head as I walked to the car and then I felt the Lord just speak to me very clearly. Don't be anxious about your life or about your wife. I am with you. Seek me first. Worship me. Come to me. Cast your anxieties on me. I care for you. And I'm like, all right, Lord. <laughs> All right. Um, and so I start breathing prayers at that juncture. And, and I start asking God to enter in. And I start proclaiming promises to myself. And I throw on some worship songs as we were doing just now. Great is the faithfulness of the Lord. And I'm on my way home. And it's like all of those anxieties are just kind of like falling to the ground. All those fears, one by one. God's got this. God is taking care of my wife. He loves her. God is taking care of me. In Jesus' words, do not be anxious about your life, rang home to me. But so did the words that follow that. Seek first the kingdom, put Jesus first. And all of the other things will fall into place. And God began to do a work in my heart. And really, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. That's what Jesus is after in the Sermon on the Mount. And He's just been talking to His disciples for several chapters now. And this is the most famous sermon ever written. He's been talking to them about what it looks like to live for the kingdom. What does it look like to live as a Christian under the rule and reign of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? How is that going to change our lives? And he starts getting real personal and talking about don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. That treasure can't be taken from you. 
And then he says, no one can serve two masters. You're either going to love the one, hate the other, serve the one, despise the other. I tell you, you cannot serve God and money. Or the word is mammon, and essentially it means just possessions. You can't serve God and be consumed just about the material life. God is either going to be first or something else. So he starts dealing with idolatry. And then he gets to our text. In verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, your heaven, uh, yet, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So verse 25 says, Therefore, I say to you. These are Jesus' words to us. This is Jesus speaking to his church. This is Jesus speaking a divine word straight to your heart like a thunderbolt. Saying, do not be anxious about your life. And we can balk at that a little bit and say, well, I, I, I mean, I do have bills to pay. I do have, you know, health concerns. We are in a pandemic after all. How could I not be anxious? And yet Jesus presses in, says, don't be anxious. There's something we've got to do with our anxiety. Jesus is not clueless. He knows that we're anxious. That's why he's telling us. Not to be anxious. And he gives us some good reasons for not being anxious. And then he calls us to a kingdom living. So I want to navigate this text knowing it's a divine word from Jesus to us, Smithfield Baptist Church, to those of you who are hearing online. This is God's word to us. And he wants to grip our souls with it and shatter the anxious heart and rebuild it 
to be a heart of faith that trusts in the King and our Heavenly Father on the throne. And we're going to look at it in, in, in three steps. And the truth number one is simply we need to acknowledge that this is a command. Acknowledge the command. Jesus actually says emphatically in verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. Right? He's commanding this. He's saying, this isn't a suggestion. This is something I'm calling you to. This is a kind of living that I'm calling you to. Do not be anxious about your life. And so he's asking us, to reckon with the murmurs of our heart on a day-to-day basis. Because we do fret. We do worry. We do think about those things that are very basic, right? Material things. How am I going to pay bills? I got to go to the grocery store. I got to navigate things, you know, in a grocery store in a whole different way now. I'm concerned about a lot of things. I'm concerned about how, how do I interact with people now? Anxiety can be a way of life or it can be an opportunity and a doorway into deeper fellowship with the living God as you bring those things to the heart of God, acknowledging He's called you to stop being anxious. And he says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Cast those anxieties upon you. I want to hear them. I know them already. Bring them to me. He cares for us. So we first see ultimately that this command, that this is a command. And it extends to all of life, right? He says, do not worry about your life. It's all pervasive. It's, it's, it's in dealing with those family stresses. It's in dealing with those marital tensions. It's in dealing with all of the things that you worry about. How are my kids going to turn out? We can worry about a whole lot of things and Jesus wants to get at our hearts and say, bring it all to me. I love you so deeply and I want to help you through it. Now, the second point acknowledges that there's a command, but Jesus doesn't just lay the command on us and say, okay, go do it. He wants to give you rock solid reasons for faith. He wants to give you reasons to believe. Reasons to trust. Reasons to just have little arrows to send out into your heart to help you and encourage you and strengthen you in the midst of an anxious world. And reason number one is right in our first verse. Life, he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? All the advertisements that we see in the world today are about what? What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? That's what the world cares about. I mean, what's your next car going to look like? What's your next clothing fad going to be? 
I've got to get my iPhone 12 because my iPhone 11 is you know, out of date. And ultimately, we have these anxious realities before us that are just about the daily needs of material life. And God is saying, there's something greater than that. There's something different than just the body material needs. That's how the rest of the world lives. They don't believe in a supernatural universe. They don't believe in a God who made all things, who said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let there be light. And He spoke and light came. And He created the world with His very words. They don't believe in an immaterial God who is working in this world and so ultimately, that's all they have to care about. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What, what, what am I going to do? My identity is wrapped up in the stuff ultimately of this world instead of in God. And Jesus is saying, your identity needs to be in more than that. It needs to be in more than the material world. Your identity is meant to be in God. You need God at the center. And he's going to get at more of that later. Notice in verse 26, we have our next word from Jesus. This is our next reason. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? I mean, it's like Jesus is saying, be a bird watcher. Go look at the birds. I was watching the birds in our backyard um, just yesterday. And they were all just kind of jumping around, like pecking and, you know, just getting their food. Just doing their thing. They weren't stressing out. They kind of just knew where to go. They weren't planning ahead. They weren't storing. They weren't doing, I'm not saying forward thinking is wrong. Jesus is not saying that. But he's saying, don't be overly consumed by these things. Look at the birds. God takes care of the birds and you're more valuable. If God can do the lesser thing of taking care of some birds, he's going to take care of you. Do you feel the weight of that? That's, that's Jesus talking to you. That's Jesus saying, believe this. I take care of the birds. I'm going to take care of you. What's his next reason? This one, you know, hits close to home for me. So, he says in verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So in other words, he's saying, anxiety cannot add a single moment to your life. It can't add an hour. It can't add years. In fact, it takes years from you. How much gray hair has come over some worrying, right? It doesn't do anything productive. It takes from us. And Jesus actually teaches, or, or the scriptures teach, that fretting and anxiety leads to evil. So let me, let me unfold that a little bit of how that works. So if you're anxious about something, it's very easy to start doing some stress eating, right? I'm going to do a little stress eating. I'm going to try to help that out. Right? Some people hit the bottle to kind of take the edge off a little bit. I'm anxious. I need to take the edge off. 
or we can be worrying so much about how, how's, how, how are my kids going to do? And, and, and we get so involved that we end up pushing them toward the very thing we didn't want them to do, right? Anxiety does not add anything to our life. It only takes. It's destructive. And Jesus is going to want to realign our concerns because it's, it's not bad to be concerned, but it's about being concerned about the right things. He's going to say kingdom things should consume our hearts and minds. And he'll get to that in a little bit. So what's our next reason? Verse 28 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So now he's saying, don't worry about the clothing. Don't worry about getting the, the material possessions accumulated. Don't worry about getting clothes on your back. Why? Go look at some lilies. The lilies are not toiling. They're not out there farming like, okay, we got to make sure we're going good. You know, they're not out there sowing, you know, and, 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 and trying to um, make themselves dazzle. No, God clothes them. God clothes them with such beautiful array that they're more radiant than Solomon, who was the richest king of Israel. Solomon had it all. And God is like, I took some lilies and I made them more beautiful than that so you would know I'm going to take care of you. And then he adds, oh, you of little faith. And Jesus isn't trying to be hard on us right now. Jesus is trying to say, listen, you may have little faith, but I'm giving you some reasons to have a whole lot of faith that you got a heavenly father who really cares for you, who's going to come alongside and make sure that you're taken care of. And, and, and mind you, you might be saying, hey, I do have clothes on my back, but I don't know. I could lose my job tomorrow. And the Lord will sustain you. It doesn't mean, this isn't a promise saying we're not going to go through hard things. You know, there have been Christians who have suffered, who have suffered persecution, who have suffered loss of possessions, who have suffered loss of freedom and been imprisoned. But I will tell you, God will give them a special grace in the moment for that. This is talking about not being consumed by these things. And matter of fact, I'll tell you, children of God, one day God will clothe you so splendidly that you will be radiant. You'll be like the sun. You will shine. There will be no more suffering. Your weary bodies will be clothed radiantly. That's a reality. You can take it to the bank. That's what God cares about when he thinks of you. I'm going to make it all new one day. So don't worry about the clothing, clothing thing. Let's look at our next reason in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, 
what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all so what we're seeing here is the culmination of an argument that's building I hope you guys are feeling that it's like more reasons yes keep them coming Lord keep them coming I need them I need to hold on to them so don't be don't be worried about what you're going to drink what you're going to eat what you're going to wear those are the things that everybody in the world cares about so if you're going to be different if you're going to be my kingdom citizen if you're going to be in the kingdom of God which all Christians have entered the kingdom by faith in the king Jesus if you're going to be a citizen you stand out and you know the reason he gives is you have a heavenly father who knows what you need already you're different from everybody else in the world because God knows what you need and I think of the Apostle Paul in Romans when he says if God did not spare his own son but gave him up for you how will he not also with him give you everything you need? If he did the harder thing of giving his son, surely he will do the easier thing of giving you the things you need, like what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. And last, one of the last reasons he gives if you want to drop down to verse 34 and this is maybe one of my favorites he says therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble God will give you the grace for today don't worry about the thing going on tomorrow God will give you the grace for January 3rd 2021 today and then when it's January 4th he will give you the grace for that day don't look into the future that may not happen all the things we worry about in the future most of them don't even happen and God will give you the grace to get through it when it does happen. God wants you to know. And Jesus is, is sort of concluding this whole arsenal of reasons by saying, almost tongue-in-cheek, listen, tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Today's got its own trouble, and you need to be seeking me for those things today, and I'll give you grace. My mercy's new every morning. My grace is sufficient in your weakness. If you are anxious, pray. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, even when you can't make sense of things. Why is it going on like this? Why is this happening right now? Why is it like everything just keeps, keeps stacking up on me and it's like a weight? And he's like, give it to me and I will give you peace. In the act of crying out, prayer is ultimately an act of dependence. It's crying out to God in faith, relying on him in faith. So when you bring your anxiety to God, that's not a lack of faith. That's the measure of faith. That's the heart response of faith. 
So we've seen that we need to acknowledge the command. We need to believe the reasons. Jesus has got a whole host of better reasons for not fretting and for having faith. So lay hold of them. And lastly, our third truth is that we're to put Jesus first. Kingdom first. And everything else will follow into place. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What would happen in Smithfield Baptist Church if all of us, if all of us made resolves in our heart that we will put the Lord first in all things? If we awaken to seeking the kingdom, and really, Jesus is the king. He ushers in his kingdom. When people are saved, he begins to reign over their lives. And we submit to him as disciples. And discipleship is just learning more and more about what it means to live under the rule and the care of King Jesus. And so I, I hear the words of John's apocalypse saying, to the Ephesian church. You've left your first love when I hear Jesus words here, because ultimately it's so easy to lose our first love. It's so easy to begin to allow things to compete with kingdom things because we're busy with all this other stuff and the anxiety begins to pile up. And it's no wonder that we're drowning in a sea of anxiety because we haven't put the kingdom first. And when we put the king first, all those other things begin to, to order into place. It's like my son has these, you know, little puzzle piece, pieces that kind of snap together. And once you just start snapping, it's like snap, 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 snap. And they all sort of fit together and pretty soon... It's all coming together kind of nicely. But as soon as you start kind of disordering things, everything falls apart. As soon as something else looms large, we hear the words of Jesus to Martha, right? You're busy about many things. Remember, she's busy serving and she's like, I'm serving you, Jesus. You tell Mary who's sitting there at your feet, just worshiping you and stuff. Like, you tell her, she needs to get up and help me. And what does Jesus say to Martha? Martha, Martha, you're worried about a great many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen it. Mary's seeking the king. It's not that those other things don't need to happen. But when the posture of the heart is kingdom first, then you begin to live with the power of God flowing through your life. Then you begin to care about the gospel getting to the nations, getting to Smithfield, getting to Henry County, getting to Oldham County, gospel to every home. That's an initiative the Southern Baptist Convention is starting where we're going to bring the gospel to every home in Kentucky, every home in the Commonwealth. Oh, that we'd be a part of that. 
that we'd be praying for that. That we'd be praying for revival in our lands. What would happen if kingdom was first? If the king was first in our hearts? And we made resolves to say, I'm going to preach the kingdom. I'm going to seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And you'll notice that bit. In verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's interesting. I would have just thought he'd say, Seek the kingdom. But it says, Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And Christians are not self righteous, arrogant, self made people. Christians are those who realize their spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They realize their spiritual bankruptcy, that apart from Jesus, they can do nothing. They can't earn God's favor by how good they are, because it's not enough. We need to take our unrighteousness to the righteous one. That's what Christians do. They bring their unrighteousness to the righteous one and they pursue him in faith for his righteousness because his life was lived out before the father perfectly. He always did the father's will. He never once sinned. And then he took that righteous life and he laid it down on a cross for us. And so when we seek the kingdom, when we seek his righteousness, we are looking to the king who is the righteous one who laid his life down for our unrighteousness on a cross, died. And then he ascended up out of the grave three days later triumphantly. And that was as if God was saying, Yes to Jesus. I will accept this sacrifice for all who will believe. All who will believe. All who will pursue the kingdom can receive this righteousness. All who will take the anxiety and the fears that have burdened them and have brought them so low and crippled their souls and their withering. Because there are Gentiles, there might be some, some, some people who don't know Jesus watching. And I want you to know that Jesus is the Lord. And that Jesus can take your unrighteousness. He can take your fears. And He can make you a new person. If you're in this room, please know, brother, sister, Jesus is a perfect Savior and He wants to free you of trying to labor every day. I'm, I'm going to be good enough for you, God, and somehow, some way, you're going to be pleased with me. If you pursue Jesus by faith and you're trusting in His righteous life, it will begin to free you up and you can be honest about your sin. You can repent of your sin. You can repent of your struggles and you can be real because you know it's not your righteousness. It's His righteousness. It's His righteous life that you stand in. And when God sees you, when God sees you, He sees you as a new person. He sees you as holy. 
He sees you as right in his sight. That's how amazing this news is. When we get the kingdom first, when we put Jesus on the throne of our hearts, everything else begins to fall into place. We begin to come up from that sea of anxiety and we begin to breathe in the air of faith and we're helped. We're helped in 2021 to live for King Jesus with a bold faith that never, never lets go of these promises. So I want you to think today about picking one of these. He's given about six or seven and hold on to it. Put it in your pocket. Bring it out when those anxieties come. Bring it out when you feel like you're worried. Oh yeah, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. God's going to give me grace today. Or Jesus said, go watch some birds. Right? Hold on to them. And live by them. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to get into the Sermon on the Mount and be helped by Jesus. His words are so powerful. His words can take us from abject fear and discouragement and bring us into a radiant, robust faith. And I pray, Lord, that you would be moving on the hearts of your people and just giving great encouragement right now. For those who have just felt like the world has beat them down. Would you lift them up with the promises of Jesus? Would you strengthen our souls and our weary hearts? Because we are prone to wander, but we have a great king. Would you align our hearts to put Jesus first? And would you bless us as we go out into this world to be kingdom-seeking, Bible-proclaiming, gospel-saturated people? who love to look to Jesus, even in a frightening world. In Jesus' name, amen.